0: Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you and your life. This evening we once again turn to the book of Revelation. Revelation. Y'all about ready to end the book of Revelation? We uh, have been, we've been, I think, uh, in the Revelation ditch. We've uh, <laughs> kind of got stuck there, and we just kind of stopped and stayed there for a while. We uh, last time we were gathered together to discuss the book of Revelation, we talked about. The new heaven and new earth. If you, uh, I could practically re-preach the last sermon because it's been so long since we've discussed this. Uh, but we uh, have come to the point in the time of the book of Revelation that deals with life after all of the tribulation that happens all, after all of the the events of. The judgment of God upon sin and the elimination of all the influences of sin upon the world. And last time we looked, we were at uh, verse 3 in which we talked about uh, the great voice from heaven saying, Behold the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people. God himself shall be with them and be their God. So uh, we focused on the aspect of new heaven and about the fact that we're uh, coming into a time in which we discuss uh, the ramifications of all that's happening here. We, uh, first, we uh, saw the, the fact that uh, God is with men. There's a new heaven. God's creating this new heaven because he is destroying and eliminating all vestiges of sin, all, everything that's been tainted by sin, everything that has been uh, uh, exposed to sin almost has, uh, has been wiped away. And of course, uh, uh, this also includes uh, a new heaven and a new earth. Uh, but uh, some would speculate, well, why would there be a need for a new heaven? Uh, this is all uh, reminiscent of, as I said, of the metaphor of marriage, and what we talked about uh, with marriage is, is that uh, many of the things that have happened uh, throughout the book of Revelation have uh, kind of alluded to the practices of marriage in uh, the Israelite society and the way in which they came together and did things in the way in which they prepared for the time in which they would uh, join together as man and wife and the times that they uh, would be apart and the times in which they would uh, come together. And so uh, we talked about the fact that we now have fellowship with God, that we are now in His presence and now that we are able to worship Him and serve Him and uh, that He'll serve also us also, uh, so let's look now at verse 4 of chapter 21 and this uh, new aspect of of uh, uh, our existence with a new heaven and a new earth. And So uh, we read, And God shall wipe away all the tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more... <coughs> <coughs> Excuse me, any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Mega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is uh a thirst of the fountain of the uh, water of life freely, and he that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Uh, not uh, uh, but the fearful and the unbelieving, and the abomin- abominable, and murderers, and the whoremongers, and the sorcerers, and the idolaters, and the all liars shall have their uh, part in the lake of fire, a lake which burneth with fire, and brimstone, which is the second death. And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which I had uh, the seven veils full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, I will show thee the bride and the lamb's wife and he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me this great city the holy jerusalem descending out of heaven from god having the glory of god and her light upon uh, light was like unto a stone most precious even like a jasper stone clear and crystal and had a wall great and high and had 12 gates and all the gates 12 angels and names were written thereon, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel so uh, let's stop there for a time being (laughs) now we've come to uh, through all this time of introducing the concept of a new heaven and a new earth we talked about uh, the fact that God is going to come and Uh, be uh, there present with us. He was going to dwell with us that we would have this new relationship with God. Now we come to the point, uh, the fourth section, and that is uh, the the description of the new heaven and the new earth. And in this description, we find a bunch of uh, uh, no's, no mores and and not any mores, that, that kind of thing. And we I have a list of several different things that uh, are indicated here that uh, that are wiped away, that are no more, that are uh, not a part of life in the new heaven and new earth. And uh, the first one is the biggest one because it seems like it's the one in which uh, most people uh, think about and talk about, and that's in verse 4. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, uh, and there shall be no more death, no more sorrow, nor crying, neither shall be there any more pain, for the former things are passed away. So these are all things that are that are wiped away and uh, there's an indication as to the fact that, first of all, there are no more tears. Excuse me. And the first... Uh, aspect of that is that uh, there's some who say that there are for God to wipe away the tears there have to be tears to begin with and some people have speculated well what would cause people to cry in heaven some people talk about well people are crying because of all their sins that have been committed that they are being reminded of all the things that they've done against God and all the sins that they've committed. This is not the case. And I'll just tell you right now, that's not uh, what this is saying. It's not saying that we're crying. In fact, uh, the way it is written here, it indicates that there is a lack of tears. There is no more tears. And what they're saying about this is that, know that God is not going around with tissue. And wiping all of our cheeks and our eyes because we've been crying—that's not the case. And it's not the case that we are. Uh, you know, the Bible tells us that uh, uh, that our sins, when we're forget, uh, forgiven by God, they're wiped away. They're completely obliterated. God remembers them no more. God, if God remembers them no more, He's not going to be uh, like a vindictive individual in a family uh, relationship that. Plasters on the wall uh, All the things that you did wrong So they they could use them against you That's not how God is When God forgives us He wipes it away It's as if it never happened before Never happened uh, Because that's a part of His forgiveness So uh, God's not going to sit there And show you home movies Of all the things that you did Or all the things that you didn't do Or all the things that uh, uh, That you should have done that's not what this is saying. It also isn't, is also not saying, and some people have said, well, people are crying because they're so happy to be in the presence of God. Um, and that's not the case either. Uh, what this is saying is, is that there is no existence of tears in heaven. Basically, what it's saying is, is that uh, when we receive our, at this point, we are not in the bodies that we have now. We're not in the glorified bodies that we have during the tribulation. We are in a new body that God has given us, a new body that is uh, is not a human body any longer, but is a spiritual body. Uh, it is, and when I say spiritual, it's not uh, ephemeral or that you could reach your hand through somebody or something like that, uh, but what I'm saying is, is that uh, Jesus talked about when... Remember when the, uh, the Pharisees came to Jesus and they wanted the liars. They wanted to trip Jesus up. It was the Sadducees, the, not the Pharisees. It was the Sadducees because uh, uh, the Bible says that these were the ones that did not believe in, in um, resurrection. And so they asked a question about resurrection to try and trip Jesus up. They said uh, to Jesus, Okay, um, there was a man and a woman that got married, and uh, the man passed away before having a child. And he had seven brothers, and uh, they basically said uh, this wife uh, of his uh, went down all seven brothers, until she finally passed away. Well, after a couple, I would think anybody would pass away uh, after that kind of response. But uh, uh, anyway, she passed away after going through all seven of them, and none of them had a child with her. And uh, the question by the Sadducees was, is whose wife will she be in the resurrection? You see, it was a double kind of whammy because first of all they didn't believe in resurrection and they were saying well uh, according to the Levitical law whose wife will she be because she was wife with every one of them Jesus said well you don't understand you don't understand the Bible you don't, uh, you don't understand God's word you don't understand God he said uh, she'll be no one's bride uh, because uh, we, uh, when you are in the resurrection, you have you, we don't give in marriage and, and there is uh, not marriage relationships in heaven. So what we understand is, is that we have a new uh, relationship with God and, and the fact that we as His creation are a new creation before Him. Uh, we no longer have uh, the taint of sin upon us, but we also are different. There's been some even that have speculated that uh what this is saying about us not having any tears wonders if we even have tear ducts when we get into heaven. Uh, there's no, uh, uh the new uh earth doesn't have any water on it. Uh and their speculation is as well uh if the earth has no water maybe we're not water-based individuals anymore in a new body. So maybe we don't even have tear ducts because there's no, there's no crying in heaven. That's what this is really saying is, is that we don't cry. There is no source for crying in heaven any longer. So therefore, we don't cry. Why is there no source of, of crying? The very next one. There's no more death. If you don't die, then you don't have family members that are mourning over you because you're dead. If you don't get sick, you're not, you don't have people mourning over you or crying over your sickness. If you have no more uh, separation from God, there is no more sorrow because of the sin that's in your life. And so without all of these things that God has taken away, and, and you will have to notice that all of them are uh, part of uh, the curse of sin. There will be no more tears because there'll be no more death. There'll be no more sorrow, no more crying. Neither shall be there any more pain. For the former things of life have passed away. They've passed away. Why? Because God has eliminated sin from our life. If there's no more sin in our life, then we have no more wages of sin. What is the wage of sin? Death. Right? So if there's no more sin, there's no more death. There's no more sin, there's no more sorrow. There's no more sin, there's no more sickness because we sickness is a part of our life under the curse of sin, right? Because what did God say to Adam and Eve when they were in the Garden of Eden, uh, Tend the garden? Uh, they didn't say... Uh, eat the food in the garden because that's how you stay alive they said eat the food in the garden because that's my gift to you but after sin came into the world then there had to be uh, food Jesus, uh, God said to Adam, you have to uh, till the ground by the uh, sweat of your brow. Why? Because you have to eat in order to continue to live. I don't believe that Adam and Eve were required to eat in order to live. That was just a part of the blessing of God and the celebration of His creation in uh, the world. And, but once sin entered into the world, Not only death came into the world, but sickness. The Bible says, you know, thorns and thistles and sickness and all the things that are associated with death and dying came into this world. If God throws all of that, if you go back and uh, read from the former chapter about how uh, all the... uh, those who follow after Satan, uh, the last judgment in chapter 20 verse 11, says all those uh, that, that f- uh, follow after Satan thrown into the lake of fire and death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire as well. Which means death and the grave have no more sway on us. Sin has no more sway. So everything associated with sin and death is thrown into the f- lake of fire and we no longer have that uh, upon us any longer what else is uh, eliminated well it says there's no more all the former things are passed away and it says uh, that uh, uh, he said behold I make all things new so all the old things of life all the things that we're familiar with now all the things that are part of life now are uh, thrown out, they're destroyed, they're thrown into the lake of fire and everything is made new. And he says, I I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, and I will give unto them that is the thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. And uh, uh, he that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Uh, And so, also in the in uh, heaven, there are no uh, sinful people. Those who are uh, the abominable people—murderers, and whoremongers, and sorcerers, idolaters, all liars. You hear people talk about, "Well, I, I, uh, I'm going to get into heaven by the skin of my teeth." Nobody's going to get in by the skin of your teeth. Salvation is like. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> Salvation is like uh, being pregnant. You're not a little pregnant. You're not partly pregnant. You're either pregnant or you're not. You're either saved or you're not. If you are talking about being saved by the skin of your teeth, then that means that you're still living in the world like the rest of the world while claiming to have a relationship with God. And the Bible tells us that you don't have a relationship with God if you still uh, are a lover of the things of this world because the things of the world separate us from God. The things of this world cause us to have sin in our life. The things of this world are not uh, uh, things that God allows in His presence because of the sin that's associated with it. And so... Uh, these are all the people that aren't going to be in heaven. Uh, those that are part of this world, those who are, uh, uh, have been placing their allegiance uh, before the things of watching after God. There, there's no, there's no uh, people who are whoremongers, sorcerers, idolaters, liars... Uh, none of them shall have a part in heaven. they'll be in the lake of fire uh, which burns with brimstone. And uh, then we see a further description of the uh, the new heaven and the new earth. talks about a New Jerusalem being the capital. this is uh, this is believed to be uh, where uh, we will uh live with God is uh in the new Jerusalem that God is going to create as a part of the new heaven and new earth. Uh, this uh new Jerusalem is is where uh the Bible tells us that uh there's no uh, night, there is no need for light uh lighting uh because why? Because God is the light that lights the city and it will uh, be a city that is well lit and it will be a city of great brilliance because of God's presence. And this also uh, goes back to the foreshadowing of what God desired for us in uh, His relationship with Israel. Remember, as they came out of Egypt, as they went through the wilderness, God's presence was before them and uh, God lit the way for them uh, by a pillar of uh, fire by night and a pillar of cl- uh, cloud by day and they uh, found uh, refuge in his presence and when that uh, pillar of, of fire or the pillar of cloud stopped that was where they uh, pitched their tents and they put the uh, what they began uh, calling the place of meeting but uh, was later known as the tabernacle the place in which they were going to uh, be able to uh, uh, see the presence of God and commune with God uh, through Moses and Aaron. Uh, they had that uh, place in which God uh, met with them in the tabernacle and that is uh, really uh, God tenting with mankind and that's what the New Jerusalem is is, is a way in which we are able to Uh, uh, live for all eternity in the presence of God. It says, And He carried uh, me away in the Spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of uh, heaven from God. Now, this is the place uh, that God has been... uh, uh, that God will... uh, dwell with us and that God will uh, live with us uh, for all eternity. And this is the place that uh, many scholars say, well, this is what Jesus is talking about when He says uh, to His disciples, I go to prepare, prepare a place for you. And where I am, there you will be with me also. Uh, he talks about there being many houses in which we'll dwell with God. And uh, this is the place in which God is is. Preparing for his people to dwell with us and to spend all of eternity. Now, uh, some have said, "Well, that uh, many houses—that sounds like mansions." And we think uh, in terms of things on this earth. We think of things of well, what's the greatest and biggest and best place that we can always all all think of in which is the just most grandeur place and we think of of a mansion a place in which a king would reside uh, some place that would be uh, suitable for a, a king to dwell so we think of mansions uh, but in reality this is going to be a, a dwelling place that we've never conceived of never are able to think of all that we know about it is is that uh, we'll be in the presence of God with him and that He will be with us and He will allow us to, uh, to worship Him there. Uh, let's look at, at what it looks like. It will have the glory of God. Uh, this is the great uh, uh, aspect of the dwelling place of God for us is that we'll be able to dwell with Him, having His glory lighting up, uh, lighting unto uh, a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. And so we see a great and glorious uh, light illuminating this place in which God's presence is. And it had a wall great and high and had twelve gates high uh, and the gates were twelve angels and the names thereon were uh, the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. On the east three gates, on the north three gates, and on the Uh, south three gates and on the west three gates and all the walls of the city had twelve foundations and in them were the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And so we see twelve and twelve. We see uh, uh, the connection between the Israelites of the Old Testament and the twelve descendants of Israel, uh, the twelve tribes of Israel uh, being uh, the twelve gates, and we see uh, the twelve uh, uh, apostles, the twelve repeated over and over again. And this is the bringing together of the two, uh, the Old Testament and the New Testament, the bringing together of the two uh, uh, covenants of God with, uh, with mankind. And he that talketh with me had a golden... "...reed to measure the city, and the gates thereof, and the wall thereof. And the city lieth four square, and the length is as large as the breadth. And, the, uh, and he measured the city with the reed twelve thousand furloughs. And the length, and the breadth, and the height are, of it are equal. And he measured the wall thereof, in a hundred and forty and four cubits, according to the measure of a man." that is, of the angel. And the building of the wall and all uh, all of it was of jasper and the city was of pure gold like a clear glass. And the foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. And the first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third uh, chancelty, and the fourth an emerald, the fifth a sardinx, and the sixth Um, sardis and the seventh chrysolite and the eighth beryl and the ninth the topaz and the tenth uh, the chrysophorus and the eleventh uh, jacinth, and the twelfth an amethyst (coughs) and the twelve gates were twelve pearls every several several gate was of one pearl and the street in the city was pure gold and it was uh, and it was transparent glass So, we see kind of a a description of this new city of Jerusalem, uh, of heaven, as it is described for us. What's the one thing that stands out the most in that description? What's the one thing that stands out? To me, what stands out is everything is related to some type of precious gemstone, precious metal, something that is of precious, a pearl, amethyst, all these onyx and all these uh, wonderful uh, jewels of great value. Everything that is described here is described as something that is in our day and age of something very valuable, something of very uh, great, uh, great price, something that is described of as uh, of beyond our expectation or understanding, a gate made of a solid pearl. That'd be one huge oyster, wouldn't it? Uh, to make a gate big enough of one solid pearl And and streets made out of gold, so pure that it's clear and translucent. We have all of these uh, different aspects of the walls and the the layers of the city. The city's square. It's four square. It's, It's as wide as it is tall. I've heard some people called as wide as they are tall. But never a city. But uh, I don't. Some people say, "Well, it's impossible for us to imagine a city big enough where everybody that's ever been a Christian or ever followed after God is able to live in it." Well, you're just not thinking big enough. If you're you're not having to think about a big as in terms of limitation of what's in the world because this is something that God has created outside of the world. But this is one huge city that we all live in and everything about it is a construction of something of great price. That conveys to us a couple of things that, uh, that we need to consider and that is, first of all, that all of it is pure. There's nothing in it that is in any indication of anything that is impure. Everything that is in the presence of God is holy, and everything that's in the presence of God is pure. And there's nothing defiled. Nothing. Uh, there's no. There's not going to be any street sweepers in heaven. Now, uh, there's not going to be any roads made out of gravel. Cause well, that's dirt. That's dirty. Dirt. Have you ever gone to a Have you ever gone to a a, a place like a, where you get a, a nursery where you get trees and plants and flowers? Have you ever seen a bag of clean dirt? I've I've actually heard some people talk about clean dirt, but I, dirt's dirt. Dirt's dirty. It's just naturally dirty. Everything about this creation is is of pure presence. Everything is clean and pure and holy. Secondly, all of these things that are mentioned here are of secondary value to the presence of God. Nothing compares to the presence of God. Uh, heaven is not... We're not you're not going to find somebody uh, sneaking out of the back door of their mansion uh, in heaven and going and with a pickaxe, pickaxe, trying to break the the streets of gold to have some gold to carry around. Why? Because evidently, gold is so plentiful that we use it for cement and for for streets. Right? Why would you use something that's... you don't you you don't go out? Well, I don't know. Some people might, but you don't go out and break up the. Uh, break up the asphalt in the street out in front of your house because you want to ha- uh, carry it back into the house and and look at it and put it put it on your mantle. Right? There's so much of it all over the place that it's so. I mean, it's pretty expensive to put out there, but it's not of any value to look at. It's not pretty in terms of making anything out of it. God's creation for us is of such grandeur that it represents His presence and His holiness. But, and it is of such great value to us here in this world because there's so little of the presence of God here in this world because of sin. All the things that are, that are created uh, in heaven, of this new heaven and new earth, new Jerusalem, are things that we value here on the earth and that we, uh, as Jesus talked about, the pearl of great price that was found in the field and the man, when he found it, hid it again and went and sold everything in order to, to be able to buy the field and then be able to get the pearl of great price for his possession. That's nothing compared to the gates of heaven, the walls the streets that will be in heaven. And all that we have in this earth, we can't sell in order to have a place there. We have to have the presence of God living within us in Jesus Christ. That's what makes heaven so great is that we're in the presence of God and we have an audience with the King of kings and the Lord of lords and we have uh, His Presence amongst us as we live throughout all eternity, all these precious stones that are mentioned here are are all precious stones that were mentioned in the breastplate of the high priest. they all represented the twelve tribes of Israel because on the breastplate of the uh, the high priest with all these stones they we were instructed to, to etch the name of each tribe on each of the stones placed on that breastplate. And now we see another representation of the 12 tribes in the creation of the new heaven. The 12 gates and all the streets. And he said in verse 22 And I saw no temple there. Why was there no temple? The same reason there was no need for a, a light because of God's presence. Well, there's no need for a temple because God's presence is throughout the whole city. In essence, the whole of heaven is a temple in which we, we all worship God and we all celebrate. This is the great grandeur of what heaven is you uh I once had uh, a, a preacher a long time ago say to me something that uh kind of stuck with me uh uh you better get you better enjoy singing hymns in church and uh worshiping in church because that's all we do in heaven, so we spend all eternity worshipping look there's not going to be any preachers in heaven either. <coughs> Well, there'll be people who were preachers, but they won't be any preaching. Why? <laughs> uh, hopefully, there'll be people that were preachers in heaven. I hope to be one of them. But uh, there's there's no preaching in heaven because there's no sin in heaven. There's no sinner in heaven to be one to Christ. There's no struggle with sin. For a preacher to need to talk about how to walk in the light because we are living in the light, the light of God. So these are all the things that are not in heaven and the things that are in heaven uh, that we are seeing. And what a wonderful place it is to be in the presence of God. Uh, I know there's a lot of people that that talk about, well, I I, uh, can't wait to go to heaven so I can see... Uh, mama and dad again or so I can see my grandparents or people that, I, that you love that have gone on before you. Yes, they're all there and the, uh, ter- if they knew Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And yes, we'll uh, be able to, to fellowship with them and worship with them. But worshiping God, that's what makes heaven so great is that we're in the presence of God and we spend all eternity in the presence of God. And so that's what heaven's all about. And we'll take up from there the next time that we get together and as we seek to, to know Him. That the greatest thing that we can do for someone is to introduce someone to Jesus Christ so that they can get a foretaste of what it will be like in heaven to have a relationship with Jesus Christ in which He leads us to a, an eternal relationship with God. Let's pray. Dear Gracious Father, Lord, we thank you and praise you for your great love and we thank you for uh, the abundance of your grace. Lord, we are an imperfect world. We're imperfect people living in an imperfect world, but uh, through your great love and through your mercy and your grace and your love, we seek to grow ever more like you each day. Help us, Lord, to walk in the pathway of righteousness so that we might lead others to Jesus Christ and have an eternity of fellowship with you when we reach heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.